Happy evening, everybody. You know what time it is. It's Friday. You know where you're going to read the Bible. Oh, I'm going to leave the Bible study. I've, I've evolved past all of this. I've been here for eight years. I'm just so much better than you dunderheads. I'm going to leave. I must strike out in this dark, aboding world. I've survived. I've fought. I've become more glorious. I've listened to God's voice, and he's leading me away from here, even though I'm still a member of this church. See you around, my friends, countrymen, Romans, Gentiles, Jews alike. Give me your ears. Give me your... I need your attention. My ego is so fragile. Oh, dear, oh, my, oh, my. I've, I've, I've gotten so much better. Oh, Pharaoh with the hardened heart, you were a narcissist, but I was not. Oh, Satan with your big fat ego, propping yourself up, wanting to be like God at Isaiah 14, 12. You were just very ambitious, but you were yet a narcissist. Oh, how, how you wanted to ascend, Mr. Narcissist. Oh, I'm just so much smarter. I just, I, I can't stand criticism. I can't say I am sorry. That would imply that I'm sorry. And you know what? I'm never sorry. Because I'm never wrong. If something has gone wrong, it's because of you. It's because of you that this is not working. I'm a victim. I'm a victim. I'm a victim. I'm a victim. Oh, Adolf Hitler was like a narcissist. Oh, the people have followed me. Therefore, the glorious fatherland. If I cannot win, I won't allow anyone to win. I know what I must do. We have not lost, but we will win together by never surrendering. We are glorious. I am glorious. And with me, you will be glorious too, even if we lose. I am not a narcissist. I am a victim of bad judgment. Hey folks. Jesus said he was meek and humble. And I have seen so much pride, entitlement and ego. I don't know how to say. I really don't. There's a difference between being confident and being so full of yourself that you're a narcissist and you have all these maladaptive mechanisms that you've put in place to try to prop up a false, bloated, egotistical sense of self if someone criticizes you. And I mean that constructively, in constructive language. But you know what? Jesus was confident, not cocky. He was humble. He didn't have a ton of hubris. And that Jesus said the meek shall inherit the earth because they're the ones that can be taught by their heavenly father at whose right hand he sits as I speak. Decide if you want to be proud and humble, proud or humble. But I tell you, only one allotment will get to heaven. Okay, my friends, why don't we pray? Dear Lord, love you so much. We want to read the Bible. We want to be humble. We want to hear your voice. We want to sit at the feet of your son. We love him. We would like to be like him. We thank you so much, Lord. This is not about religion. We don't do religion here. Religion is a waste of time. Religion is for the proud. 
who believe they have all this entitlement, all this ego, all these doctrines, all this theology. And you said, I don't need you following the commandments of men, Mark 7, 7. You want, you want us, Lord, to follow you. You would gather, you said, I would that, um, I would gather you, I'd be able to gather you as a hen gathers its chicks. We will come to you now, Lord. Help us to be humble. Help us to sit, relax. Put aside all the narcissism in the world, all the different places where people are worshiping themselves and their own ego. Let us worship you. Show us your word. We want to hear, Lord. I pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Great examples of faith. Faith is the confidence of what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. See what it says? Confidence, not cockiness. I know that when I believe that, you know, if someone dies, that their their mind goes to be with the Lord, but it's not it's not conscious, or their mind goes to be with the Lord and it is conscious. I never said I knew for sure. I never said, I, I have an opinion, but I don't have to push it on someone else. I don't have to push my hermeneutic on someone else. In the Bible, it says that hell is burning, but the smoke of the torment ascends forever. I don't have to push the fact that I think hell is about con con you being consumed. If you believe that hell means eternal conscious torment in a fire or in a dark place, no problem. Can we work together as Christians? I don't have to push my, my, my hermeneutic on you. Everybody says uh, that what they think and then they say when they're criticized, are you disputing the Bible? No, I'm disputing your hermeneutic of the Bible. Let's be humble people. So much pride and ego in my church. What I have seen with this person leaving the, the Bible study and just making this great proclamation from Mount Sinai. And there was only four of us. I could not believe the pride, entitlement and ego. It just made me angry. I just sat there laughing inside of myself and then the person said, I'll see you later. And nobody replied back. I love that. Nobody responded. I think somebody said, where are you going? I, it was just bizarre to me. It was really just, just the overinflated sense of ego. Have we done that? Have we done that by not reading the Bible? It says confidence here. Faith is the confidence. But it also says in the Bible, trust in your heavenly father. You don't have to figure it out what's under the hood. You don't have to slam somebody else because they see it differently. God does want you to think. He wants you to have an opinion, but I guess it's a loose association of that opinion. I remember studying organic chemistry and they said, where are the electrons in the benzene ring? And it was like, the electrons are not in some orbit. They're in some delocalized um, region of the benzene ring. And it was like probability, probability shells. Because to say it's in one place, we really don't know where the thing is. We could only say, well, at this location, it's probably here, but at this other location, it's only 50% chance of being here. It was probability shells. And I think that just sounded way more humble, right? Only God knows where the electron actually is in time and space. Only God knows. We don't know. God knows where all the electrons are in your body at any given time. We could only say, well, you know, in a given space, this is where it probably is or probably is not. That's just humility. You know, at my work, they're talking about quantum computing. I've never heard of this before. And it's like, this is at the molecular level where the molecule is probably on or probably off. This sounds like quantum mechanics to me. And it says the only thing, the only way it can work is if the 
uh, computer has to be super cooled. It has to be kept as close to minus 273 Celsius as possible because zero degrees Kelvin is minus 273 degrees um, Celsius. That's where there's absolutely no kind of molecular movement whatsoever. That's, that, that's one of the laws of thermodynamics that I'm thinking, wow, we're getting into crazy range now. We're getting into a whole range of craziness. We're leaving the universe as we know, the three laws of Newtonian physics, which are very concrete, which are very mathematical, and we're getting into probabilities and where things might be, or if they might be on or might be off. It's unbelievable. Only God could make the quantum realm. Only God can know exactly where everything is. It's, it's, it's mind-blowing. I think we need to be humble people and we can learn quite a lot from God. I do wish I was smarter so I could actually figure out this stuff. I wish I could figure out warp drive. I really do. I wouldn't mind hanging out in Jupiter for a little bit before the Lord comes. But anyways, I, I'm not an engineer. Maybe one of you guys listening is an engineer. Through their faith, the people in the days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we see now did not come from anything that can be seen. Amazing. How did God create quarks, neutrinos, um, you know, neutron, uh, what is it, neutrons, neutrons, um, protons, electrons? How did he do this? Where did, what, what is this stuff? What is it made up of? Well, maybe it's solid light, you know? Maybe it's solid light. God somehow solidified light and all that, all the mass, like they said that your body, if we could just make your body sort of explode like an atomic bomb, like you'd wipe out half your, you'd wipe out your block. Or you, I remember like a tree, if we took a tree and exploded it like an atomic bomb, it could wipe out six blocks. A tree, like the energy contained inside the matter, if unleashed, could wipe out six blocks. Unbelievable. How smart is our God? He must know what he is doing. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's like Enoch is alive somewhere. Maybe he knows who he is. Maybe he knows who we are. Maybe he's not allowed to say. We're not supposed to pray to Enoch, but I, I believe he's actually alive. I thought that Moses was buried, but he's actually alive. Elijah was taking up, taken up, right? I, nobody said to pray to Mary. I never heard anybody say that Mary some co-mediatrix with Jesus. I never heard that in the Bible. I never heard about transubstantiation where Jesus is alive inside a cup. That's just all BS. That's just all made up pagan rituals. That's not in the New Testament. I was listening to a dude talking and all of a, you know, he had a maturity, he had a suit on, he was an old man on a YouTube video. All of a sudden he's talking about some Third Testament. God didn't give no Third Testament. There's no Third Testament in the Bible. Let's be the count from Sesame Street. One, two, one, two. Three? No, there's no three. Let's let's have faith in God. Let's be sincere. It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to God must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. I have to take it on faith. The whole Bible is the word of God.
I have to take it on faith that the Bible so arranged the way it is, is the Word of God. And God allowed it to be arranged just the way it was and gave it to us through men that he used to assemble the 39 books of the New Old Testament and the 27 books of the New Testament. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. That's a lot. By his faith, Noah condemned, condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness, righteousness that comes by faith. Hey buddy, what you doing? Building a boat. Why way out here? You're not at the coast. It's gonna rain in 120 years. Rain? There's no such thing as rain. What? Are you, what's rain? It's water that comes from the sky. <laughs> Listen to this one. This guy's saying that rain comes from the sky. You ever? Hey boys, you ever heard rain coming from the sky? No, it waters the a mist rises from the earth and waters the whole earth. Coming from the sky. That's a good one, Noah. Keep it up, bro. Keep it up, bro. You might want to check maybe your vitamins, maybe check to make sure you're getting your essential eight vitamins to just make sure the amino acids, everything is cool. Because I don't know, those oligosaccharides in the brain, it's not working, man. Make sure you get the fish oils too. That's not happening. Righteousness that comes by faith, Genesis 15.6. Should I read Genesis 15.6? You say, this is a big chapter, um, Mr. Tomorrow Christian. Um, I don't know. I got to do it anyways. I got to do it. I got to do it. You know what I got to do? A man got to do what a man got to do. It says here, and he believed the Lord, this is Abraham, and it counted to him as righteousness. Do you believe the Bible is the entire word of God? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is alive right now? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah of God, not somebody else? Do you believe the do you, do you believe the, the Bible as it was written? Do you have certain questions about certain hermeneutics? We all do. But are there some, some, some doctrines that are just very part of the macro universe? They're concrete, they're cut and dried. That's pretty well the way it is. It says here, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land, God promised him he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. I came to the church I'm in by faith. And I, I, I think I see some of the I see some of the church going extinct now. I see the church and I feel so upset. I love this church that I'm part of. I love I love the simple message of Christianity. It's difficult but hard. Love reading the Bible. Love to know that my God is in charge of my life. I love to know I came here by faith. I was frightened. I was scared out of my mind. I was scared about going to church on a on a Sunday instead of a Saturday. I was scared that I was breaking the Sabbath. I was scared because, you know. Uh, my significant other said, goodbye, see you later, I'm sick of you. I was frightened, I was frightened, I was frightened. But you know what? That church I came from is a narcissistic church. They're teaching lies to people, and that's going to that's gonna bite you in the rear end. Revelation 18, 4 says, come out of her, my people. God doesn't want what they're teaching. He wants you to come to his son. He wants you to sit at the feet of Jesus. He wants to give you the Holy Spirit through Jesus. And Jesus wants to teach you how to be like him to connect to the Father. Simple, but hard. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. 
It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren and was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. And so, well, she kind of laughed, right? She did kind of laugh. Did Abraham laugh too? But then she laughed afterwards with joy. God did keep his promise. It took a long time. It took a lot of prayer. I pray for my children every day. I pray that they will not be uh, infected by the toxic narcissism of the church that they're still part of because of they have been sort of taken away. I pray that that church and, and the people around my two children will not gaslight my children into thinking that they are wrong or, or, or when they say things about me, that they will not be gaslitten um, and they will recognize that I'm telling them the truth because I love them and because I want them to know Jesus. And even if they don't want to know Jesus, at least they'll know that I presented the correct message. They won't be bamboozled and messed up with a false theology and a false lying dead person who says she's speaking for God where she was a toxic narcissist. Gaslighting Christians, shaming Christians, saying lying Christians about what Christians would do and about saying, oh, we're a victim, we're a victim, we're a victim. Because we go to church on Saturday, people are going to come and hurt us in the future. That's, I'm a victim, I'm a victim, I'm a victim. That's narcissism. Saying that she's speaking for God. That's a big, fat, inflated ego. It's all over YouTube, my friends. Narcissism and pride and toxic narcissism is going to kill our society. It's going to kill relationships. And it's going to kill the world because the world is passing away because it has been infected by its own ego and pride by the ego and pride of the dark one who blinds people's minds. Second Corinthians 4, 4. I don't even have to look that up. Satan is blinding people with this pride, ego and entitlement. It's blinding them to God. And instead of focusing on having faith on God and Jesus and the Bible and in prayer, Instead, people try to find any old fake idea and hermeneutic to prop up between themselves and God and say, if I have this, God's, I'm going to score points with God. Not going to happen. No can do, Kimosabi. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. Well, that's, that sounds kind of harsh. Hey, you're as good as dead, but he had a lot of kids. A nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the, the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. Isn't that like God? He, he makes things happen that would never happen. Why? To grow your faith. God, you are the God of the impossible. If you said it's possible, it's possible. I want to keep praying for my children. I'm going to even keep praying for the mom. Because maybe the mom will be pulled out of her own narcissism. She'll see that she's been deceived and gaslit herself. Matthew 24, 24, Matthew 24 says, In the last days there will be many prophets and many false Christs, and they will arise and deceive many. And that's exactly what, what the church is that I came from. A false Christ, a false prophet, and a false Jesus they have created. Come out of that kind of system like pronto, pronto, pronto. Love shall wax cold, it says and the iniquity of many shall increase. Lovelessness. And if, if, lovele if love decreases, then lovelessness increases. And what is lovelessness but pride, ego, entitlement, self-love, and all this wacky religion 
that says, if you do this, God likes you more than if you don't. Ridiculous. God loves you if you want his son. I don't tell that to men. Men, I don't, that does not inspire um, confidence with men. Men don't want to hear about love and shmove. They know this. You say Christ is for you. Hey, if you're a man, Christ is for you. Christ is the most masculine man you're ever going to meet. He knew what was facing him and he hit it head on. He was a big guy with big hands who dealt with being a stonemason or a carpenter. He wasn't a sissy or a wuss or a feminized Jesus. And we need guys in the church who are going to man up. We need dudes. We need guys on motorcycles with tattoos who say, I got a tattoo, Lord, but I want your you tattooed on my in my innermost being. We don't want no feminized Jesus. We don't want no woke Jesus. We want the real Jesus, the tough Jesus, the masculine Jesus, who is for men, who doesn't slam men. But we also want that Jesus who said to Mary and to Martha, sit at my feet, I want to teach you something. Listen to me. I want to tell you something about your life. I want to give you power. I want to make you, I want to make you into women as God wanted you to, as your heavenly father wanted you to. I want to make men as men and women as women. That's what I want to do. I want to make you the way you should be. I want to make you the best version of yourself. I want you to know that you can trust me. I want you to know I'm not a narcissist who's trying to control you and make you an extension um, to take away control. I want to, I want to give you control so that you can turn around and release it back to me so I can do my work in you and that you will blossom as your heavenly father wants you to. Well, women want to blossom. Men don't want to blossom. We want to be tough guys. We want to be tough. We want to be strong. We want to be lean. We want to, we want to be, we want to be good looking. We want to have a square jaw, and if we don't, it's okay. If we're an ectomorph, an endomorph, or a mesomorph, it's okay. You got here, you got here. You don't have here, bald is beautiful, baby. You hearing me, guys? I'm seeing a lot of stuff on YouTube. I'm not liking it. I'm thinking, you know what? Our church doesn't inspire anybody to be a Christian. Sappy, simpy, wimpy, crappy. It's time to man up. Because if we don't man up, the church I'm part of is going extinct. That's what I see. It's going to go extinct in two and a half years, and I'm going to get upset. I don't like to lose. I'm a man. I'm a sore loser. I may have to be last. I don't care, but I want to keep running. I told my friend in the gym, I told him flat out, I said, you're an alpha male. He absolutely is. Very confident, powerful voice, speaks to everybody. Big, wide, meaty shoulders, about 5'10". He's an alpha. He's not a Christian, though. And, and I said to him, we don't inspire people in our church. We know they don't have confidence in our Jesus. And I told him all the things I learned about sigma males and alpha males and beta males and covert narcissism, toxic narcissism, and what's going on with dating apps and women getting angry about men and men, men not trusting women and ghosting and stuff like that. And marriage is declining and trust is going right down. And I, I told him all of this in the gym locker room today. He just listened to me and he said, you know, you got to have confidence. I, 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 he said, I always had confidence. I said, I know. He said, people are coming towards me. He said, girl, he's married and he's moral. But he said, I got people coming after me. People are drawn to me. I said, you know what? If anybody else said that, I wouldn't believe it. But with you, I see it. I see it. 
God, Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus is the Alpha male, the Beta male, the Omega male, the Delta male. Jesus is the, the Sigma male. Jesus is the Jesus who makes us all beta males. We all follow Jesus. In the presence of Jesus, he is the alpha. He's not a cocky alpha. He's a, he, he, is, he is the true alpha. He's the true alpha that draws all men to the Father with confidence. I know who I am. I know whom I have believed. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's what he says. And if you come my way and you follow me, I'll take you to the Father of heaven. Wow, wow, wow. Churches are in decline because they're not going to the real Jesus. They're going to some sappy, crimpy, wokey Jesus. It's time, folks. It's now or never because it's all failing. This society is falling right down. Look at what's happening. I'm scared out of my mind for America and Canada, and I don't know about the other nations. I'm scared what I see. When I was growing up, man, there was way more, way more uh, happiness, way more uh, relational. I am frightened. The debts are, debts, are, debts are going up. Marriage is going down. Families are splintering. Church attendance is just pathetic. It's pathetic. No Sunday school. Threadbare fellowship attendance. We're not doing a good job. We're, we're waiting on God. Uh-uh, uh-uh. God's waiting on us. All these people died, verse 13, still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and they welcomed it. They agreed that they were for, uh, foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things for are looking forward to a country they call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back, but they were looking for a heavenly place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. It was, it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, were ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt, he even commanded them to take his bones with him when they left. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer not the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of heaven, the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. It did seem he ran away, but it says it was by faith. He was not afraid. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who was invisible. You know, maybe, maybe they were afraid. Maybe Moses was afraid, but God doesn't remember how you started out. God remembers you as you finished. 
maybe Moses was afraid. I don't want to. I don't want to change the scriptures, but but all these people here that we're talking about, they all had big time flaws. Look at all the flaws that all these men had. But God doesn't remember the flaws. He doesn't write them down in in, in the hall of fame, the hall of faith, which is what this chapter is. God remembers what you accomplished. It's not how you start out that counts. It's how you finish. Remember that guy Billy Crystal. Remember, it's not it's not how you. It's not how you feel, it's how you look, how you look marvelous. By faith, Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorpost so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. Hey, it doesn't say Reed Sea here, folks. It says Red Sea. I don't believe this Reed Sea nonsense. I am respectful. If you think if you think it was a Reed Sea, it was a shallow thing, no problem. It's all cool. But I think it's Red Sea. And I think it was just the way I saw it in the Ten Commandments. So there, haha. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. It was by, f- how, how would the Egyptians be drowned in the Reed Sea? Don't know. Hey, it's like five inches, man. I don't know. I tripped, uh, I, fell, I fell in my nose and uh, I'm, uh, I can't breathe. I'm going to drown. Okay, it was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. When we all fall down, Boomski. My friends, we need a revolution. Iron sharpens iron. We need people with faith, with faith like Elijah. We need people with faith like Moses, yet he was humble. We need people in the church and we need them now or the church that we love so dear, which is really an extension of Jesus, fails. I'm not waiting on God. God's waiting on you, and he's waiting on me. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you, bad boys, bad boys? What you gonna do? The Antichrist is coming, friends. Part two, we'll see you.